Welcome to Burnside at Home for Sunday the 6th of February 2022. You're joining with us today on this pre-record of the service that will take place in Burnside Church at 11am on Sunday the 6th of February. You're very welcome to listen to this either as a podcast on the telephone line, also on our website as a YouTube video with the slides. And do remember that you're very welcome to come and join with us in person in church. We've taken all the precautions that we can. You'll be very safe whenever you come along and we'd love to have you with us. Uh, But today we're continuing our series through the book of Daniel. We're reaching Daniel chapter 4 and we're finding out that God rules earthly kingdoms. And today as we continue our journey with Daniel, we're reminded once again that God is sovereign. And as Paul reminds the church in Philippi, that authority has been given to his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Paul writes, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's worship Jesus Christ, the one in whom all authority rests, and let's come before him in prayer together. Heavenly Father, as we bow before you today, we thank you for our Saviour Jesus Christ, and we thank you for the authority that you have placed in Jesus. And therefore, as we come to worship him today, we know that we come to the one who is sovereign and in control of all things. We thank you, Lord, that as we bring our requests and our concerns before you, that we recognise that you're the only one who is able to listen to our prayers and you're the only one who is able to answer them. Today, Lord, we are thinking about your sovereignty and we pray that you would help us through your Holy Spirit to understand that and to realise how you are in control of every little detail that happens on this earth, how you have a plan for us. And therefore, Lord, we pray that we may obey your commands and accept your will. Help us, Lord, to live for you each day. So, Lord, we ask all these things in and through Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're going to read together from God's Word, Daniel chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 37. It's a long reading today, but uh, we do want to uh, read all of this uh, chapter. This is a chapter, again, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and Daniel is called to interpret the dream. And we're going to find out lots about it. Now, uh, we're not going to look at this chapter in great detail today. We're just going to take an overview of it. If you want to go into it in a bit more detail, uh, come back to the website each weekday. There's about a 10-minute blog in the morning, a video with slides and um, audio, uh, just going into the detail of the, the various verses and looking at the chapter and how it all fits together. And love you to join with me and, and share in that. Also on Sunday in church, uh, the Reverend Terry McMullen uh, will be giving us a global mission update and leading us in prayer. And it's well worthwhile uh, coming along to hear that. If uh, you're not able to come along, do listen to uh, the live stream or the recording of the live stream on our website and you'll be able to pick up what Terry has to say there as well. So let's hear God's word. Daniel chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 1. 
King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and peoples of every language uh, who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence and I told him the dream. He is called Belteshazzar after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw lying in bed, I looked and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots, bound with iron and bronze, remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The Holy One declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belteshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. 
The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your Majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation. Your Majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High, I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion, his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisers and nobles sought me out, and I restored to my throne and became even greater than before. 
Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Amen. And we pray for God's blessing on his word today. Listen to the news and you might conclude that this world is in chaos, that everything's out of control. Pandemic, invasions, climate disasters, government scandals, the list goes on and on of chaos. We may think things are bad, but they're no worse than what we read about in Daniel 4. In fact, we could probably say that Daniel 4 is much worse than today. As we consider these things, let's not just confine them today to national events, because what we're talking about also applies personally to us. If your life appears chaotic and out of control, if you are facing an unwanted diagnosis, say, if you're worried about a loved one, if you're struggling to make ends meet, then that is why Daniel 4 was written. It was written at that time to remind the Israelites that even though they are suffering in exile, God is in charge of all earthly things. And therefore, it comforts us today that whenever we are suffering, we're reminded that God is in control of all earthly things. God rules the earthly kingdoms and gives them to whomever he chooses. So let's begin today by looking at Nebuchadnezzar. He is the most powerful man on earth. He writes a letter about his experiences and because of who he is, the Holy Spirit decides to include that letter in the Bible for us to read in the book of Daniel. And the letter is sent to everyone who lives on the earth. Such is his power and such is his influence. Look at how he begins. King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. But even though Nebuchadnezzar is so powerful, we need to remember at the very beginning that God is sovereign. God is the one who decides what happens to Nebuchadnezzar. We've already seen this throughout the book thus far. Chapter 1, it was God who gave Nebuchadnezzar Israel whenever he invaded Chapter 2, the dream of the statue. God was saying that he had all the kingdoms mapped out that would come after Nebuchadnezzar and he had decided how long each kingdom would last and what would happen to it. In chapter 3, we had Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And the God of Israel proves himself to be greater than any of Nebuchadnezzar's gods. And now, once again, God shows his authority by giving a dream to Nebuchadnezzar and giving the interpretation to Daniel. Now, after the dream and after the interpretation, it's 12 months before the events happen. But it happens just as God revealed it would be. So it'd be very easy to make a reasonably accurate prediction about something that's going to happen in the next couple of days. 
But something that's going to happen in a year's time, you can't fake that. And so we're not going to go into all the dream today. Uh, Go to the blog this week for a more detailed analysis. But the great and mighty king is humbled by what happens. He's living like a wild animal. He is eating grass. And after about seven times, maybe seven years, he is then restored to the throne again. God is in control of all of it. He sent the dream to tell Nebuchadnezzar what would happen, and then it happened. And the remarkable thing in this chapter is that Nebuchadnezzar realises that God is in control, and by the end of the chapter, he is praising God. Verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And then a few verses later, verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. What a turnaround. All the previous events have been nudging him in this direction in each chapter. And this appears to be a genuine conversion this time. After all, his testimony is included in the Bible for us to read all these years later. So it would appear that it is genuine. And what we need to remember is that no one is outside of God's control no matter how powerful they may appear. If we genuinely believe that God is in control, then the same rules apply no matter who is in charge. God is sovereign. Kim Jong-un, Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, Boris Johnson, Paul Given, Michelle O'Neill, Michal Martin. God is sovereign. God is in control. And whether these people say that they submit to God or not, God is still in control. It goes even further than that. Your boss at work, your colleague at work, that really annoying neighbour, that family member who knows how to rub you up the wrong way, God is sovereign. So Nebuchadnezzar was powerful, but God is even more powerful. So what difference does it make that God is in control? Well, let's look at the example of Daniel in the story. This is the moment he has been waiting for, perhaps. Nebuchadnezzar is going to be set aside. Israel now has an opportunity to rebel and to reestablish her own authority once again. And Daniel has been given all the inside information, he could easily put a plan in place. But Daniel treats Nebuchadnezzar with grace rather than being opportunistic. We read in verse 19, Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. 
And Belteshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. Daniel here is genuinely concerned about Nebuchadnezzar rather than delighting in all that is coming his way. While Nebuchadnezzar is in the fields living as an animal, who's running the kingdom? Who's keeping things going so that there is a kingdom there for him whenever he returns? Well, it's Daniel. Daniel is his right-hand man. Daniel is second in command. And yet Daniel does not take advantage of the situation. Now, how does that apply to us? This has been a struggle for me this week. This has been a real challenge. What do we do whenever we see a leader in difficulties? Do we call for resignations? Do we try and organise a coup? Or do we do what Paul suggests? Whenever he's writing to Timothy, and I've mentioned this before in the context of God being sovereign, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Paul urges us to pray for kings rather than to rejoice in their problems. Finally this morning, this story in Daniel leads us into the New Testament. And like most Old Testament stories, it gives us a wonderful glimpse of Jesus. So let's think about how Jesus can be found within this story. Well, the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world to do battle with the most powerful being on this earth, Satan. Jesus refers to Satan as the ruler of the world, just as Nebuchadnezzar was the ruler of the world. Jesus says in John twelve thirty one, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. Speaking about Satan. Whenever Jesus came to this earth, Satan tried to destroy him as a baby. And then whenever he began his ministry, Satan attacked him. Tried to tempt Jesus. In fact, tried to tempt Jesus with authority in this world. Satan tried to claim that he had authority in the world as ruler of the world and that he would offer it to Jesus if only he would bow down. All he wanted, like Nebuchadnezzar, was for Jesus to bow down and to worship. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. If you will bow down and worship me. Now Jesus withstood the temptation and step by step began to win this fierce battle against Satan. Jesus came and he healed people of their diseases. He cast out demons. He performed miracles. And whenever he sent out the 72 in pairs, they came back to him 
rejoicing. And they said to him, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At the cross, it looked as though Satan had triumphed. It looked like Jesus had been defeated by the ruler of this world. But fear not, for God is sovereign. He is in control. Satan's victory was actually his defeat. Jesus rose victorious from the dead. Paul tells us about Jesus in Colossians. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Today then, Satan is still at work, but he is severely limited by the power of Jesus. He's described in Revelation 20 as a ferocious dragon, an ancient serpent. But he is bound by a great chain and he is locked in a pit. So that, as it says here, he will not deceive the nations anymore. He can still do harm, but he's not free to do his worst. We're living in this time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, this time that we're describing as a time of exile where we're not fully at home, but we're looking forward to going back home again. Satan is bound, but he still tries to do as much as he can. He attacks the church. He attacks the body of Jesus Christ. He attacks us. He attacks our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Christians are killed every day because of their faith. Almost 6,000 Christians were killed this past year. Christians are imprisoned and tortured because of their faith. Every Wednesday on the blog, I highlight one of the countries on the Open Doors World Watch list. That's the list of countries where it is most dangerous to be a Christian. Afghanistan, we looked at last week, has topped the list this year as the most dangerous place to be a Christian. This week past, we were thinking about North Korea and again, Christians there are persecuted, imprisoned, not allowed to have Bibles. As we move down the list, there are many other countries that are well known to us that are listed as being incredibly dangerous for Christians to be living in. Saudi Arabia. Every time we enjoy a sports event that is taking place there, Remember the hundreds of our brothers and sisters who are persecuted in that land of wealth and plenty. China, 
The Winter Olympics have just begun. And China is being showcased and celebrated. And yet Christians are imprisoned and tortured for their faith there. But then we are to remember that God is still in control. And as we're told in the book of Revelation, the final victory is Christ's. Whenever the trumpet sounds, Christ has the victory. In Revelation, we're told about the trumpet being sounded. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Nebuchadnezzar had a kingdom of this world, but it was not the kingdom of our Lord, and it was not the kingdom of the Messiah. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and he will reign forever and ever. Nebuchadnezzar submitted to God, pledged his allegiance, told the people to trust in this God and to find hope in him. Let's turn to him in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the sovereign one and therefore today we put our trust in you Help us, Lord, to follow you, to serve you, to obey you. But help us, Lord, to realise that you are the one who is sovereign, the one who is in control of all things. And therefore, Lord, we trust you and we obey you and we honour you in Jesus' name. Amen.